0: So learn everything you need to learn, but at the end of the day, you have to just decide you're going to do it. And because once you commit to it, you will figure out how to do it.
1: In today's show, I get to talk to Joy Cho, founder of Oh Joy, and someone that has taken a blog and a social influence and turned it into an incredibly successful line at Target. This is such a good episode for those of you who are working in the design space or have dreams of having your own products can't wait for you to hear. Joy, I would love it if, um, if someone has not ever heard of you before, if they live underneath a rock, uh, could you tell us about your career and how, um, you got to where you are now? So my name is Joy Cho. I have a business
0: called Oh Joy, and I'll give you a little bit of a recap of where it started and where it is today. So you know how it all came about, but in 2005, I had left my job in New York, which was designing for Cynthia Rowley, who had a a line at Target at the time. I had previously designed packaging and logos and ads for an ad agency in New York. And I'm transitioned to designing textiles for Cynthia Rowley. And then I was going to move to Philly because my boyfriend at the time who's now my husband was doing, uh, starting a residency and we had been doing long distance. And so I left New York, which I loved, but for personal reasons, I needed to be close to my boyfriend so we could get married. And (laughs) and that's key. Yeah. And, uh, so leaving, leaving a great job and leaving a job I really loved was hard, but at the same time, it opened up the doors for me to see, okay, what's next? I, my goal was to work for anthropology, which is based in Philadelphia and do home, home decor design for them. And I interviewed and I'm very much a go-getter. If you've ever read any articles or posts I've ever done, I'm all about like, put it out there. It's just like Oprah's secret. Put it out there. one and you'll get it. And with this one, it wasn't so easy because, you know, sometimes people might like you, which I had a great interview. They liked me, but there was no position available. And Mm -hmm. so I was bummed because this was one time where I put something out into the universe and it didn't happen. And what ended up happening was that I was like, okay, well I need to make money. I need to pay my rent. I will start freelancing. I have these skills and I can offer it to people in the meantime. And then I'll just wait for the, the next right job to, to be available and keep going after it. Um, At the same time, I started a blog. I had just gotten engaged. I had just moved from New York to Philly, and Philly is actually where I'm from, but I was living in my own apartment as an adult, and uh, just moved in with my fiance. And so the Ojoy blog at the time was just really as a sketchbook. All of this stuff was happening, a lot of change was happening. But as the blog started to get more and more read, I realized that people were finding me for my design work also, or they were finding the finding the blog. they liked the aesthetic, and then they were hiring me to design logos or packaging for their companies mm-hmm. so If we move forward from there, the blog began to get more and more read, but it was still very much a side to my design business, which then eventually within the first year became full-time because I realized, okay, if I just keep doing more of this, I keep marketing myself, I keep putting myself out there, I can get enough clients to have a full-time job on my own. And, um, so I would say for several, the first several years, although people started knowing the Oh joy blog, my Oh joy design work was really the focus client work. And then, um, probably around 2012 when my first daughter, sorry, 2010, when my first daughter was born, um, I shifted the focus to less client work and all design projects being Oh joy. Uh, we had started doing, Some licensed deals where we were designing for, we were designing wallpaper and baby clothes and others with other companies who were starting this whole designer collaboration. And I was at a point where I could pick and choose a little bit more what I wanted to do. And because mm-hmm. I had a baby and because I wanted to spend time with her, I didn't want clients waiting on me every minute of things that I needed. I wanted to have a little bit more control over my work. And so from about that time, 2011, 2012 on, we really started focusing more on Oh Joy solely, both for design and for editorial. And yeah. then Oh joy, as it is now, and I'm giving you a very condensed version. I like of it. it. Yes. <laughs> oh joy, as it is now, is a lifestyle brand that includes designed, licensed products that sell currently mostly at Target, but um, there will be at other retailers as well in near future. Um, daily content, which is editorial on our blog, social media, YouTube. And then we've had books in the past. There's been three books that I've written. And in general, Oh Joy is really just about making people happy. It's about ideas we can give you. It's about products that we can design and make that you can scoop up and put into your home. And that Little bit just makes your day brighter and better.
1: I feel like my, I'm um, so many good nuggets in there, but the thing that I latch on to, um, I just did an interview the other day with Allison Faulkner, and we were talking about this idea that so many people look at a platform like yours or hers or mine and go, How do I get there? What do I do? And then you hear the number, you hear 2005, it's 2017. Mm-hmm. It's 12 years of work to get to the place that you've gotten to. And I think that people forget that. They don't understand how much time and effort and posts and DIY crafts that nobody cared about or recipes that you put together or time away from your babies it took to get you where you are now. So that is something that I find super inspiring is every woman I talk to has built a career over a decade plus, not... You know, nobody has been like, well, I decided to start an Instagram account and the next week I had a million followers.
0: Part of that, too, is because nowadays you are seeing people day to day. You're seeing their daily lives so much and you're seeing, obviously, the highlight reel on social Mm -hmm. media that people are thinking that success is so much more instantaneous, whereas in the past we weren't monitoring everybody's day to day so much that you weren't really –
1: thinking as much that things just land on people's laps. I think the way we're perceiving. You mentioned that when you first started or one of your first jobs was working for Cynthia Rowley and you worked on the target line. Are there things about that experience that gave you the tools to, you know, down the road, be able to launch your own thing with them? Absolutely.
0: I think that I learned early on how, what it was like to design and work with a large brand like target. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, designed products and I I did all the technical work that was involved in it. And I understood how to um, make repeats and create patterns and put, produce CADs for manufacturers. So it it definitely prepared me. Um, the only difference I would say in how it worked out for us is that I still needed Ojoy and I still needed that time and that growth that I had to then be able to go and pitch to Target, which is what I did, to go to pitch to Target and prove my ability to be able to have a successful line mm-hmm. there. Um, so yes, that, that, that last job, for sure, it sort of um, made me know what was involved, but I still... I still needed what I had developed over time to be able to go and really land that
1: project. Such, I mean, such great wisdom for those young women who find themselves maybe just coming out of school or maybe just starting in a new um, industry or field. Um, None of it is wasted. None of the work that feels, oh man, this is so hard. I had the opportunity to sit with joy Um, Gosh, a year or maybe more ago, we spoke on a panel together and I remember you talking about, wasn't there a time where you were actually trying to produce the products yourself and you kind of learned the hard way that that was not something that you wanted to do?
0: Yeah, there was, so after having done those products at Target back in 2004, 2003, 2004, and I said, "Oh man, I want to have a product line someday." And so, after I was started freelancing and got my freelance business um, off the ground, and things were going fine with that, I, I thought in 2007, I was, this is the time for me to do my own line. However, it costs a lot of money to manufacture a line, mm-hmm. so for me, doing stationery felt like the cheapest that I could do. Paper, right? Like, what's cheaper than a note card of all the <laughs> products? However, I mean you still need to spend thousands of dollars to produce a run of 500, 1000 designs of our units of each piece and then you need to have so many designs to be able to make it interesting for a retailer and to do trade shows and basically to have a collect what's considered a collection. Mm-hmm. And so I put myself in credit card debt. I spent every money that came in through my freelance work. I spent it on the product line and it was I didn't have investors. It's not like I was like, I just was using my own money. And so, but you run out of money. And so for me, it was partially that, but then it was also like, okay, once you get all these cards in, you have to stick them in envelopes. You have to stick them in plastic sleeves. If you get a huge (laughs) order, I got, Orders, some stores like Anthropology or Kate's Papery or Paper Source and like Dream Stores, but you then have to also put the price tag on mm-hmm. and that when you send it to those stores, all they have to do is put it on the shelf and log it into their system. So when it's just you, I mean, it was me, I had an intern at the time, my husband was working super long hours, so it'd be. My intern, my husband, my mom—we would all, they would all come over, sit in our tiny apartment in Philly, um, on the floor, packaging and wrapping and labeling and shipping and all the stuff. And it was just like that, that's the moment where you realize, oh man, this thing that I thought was so glamorous is actually not so glamorous.
1: Yeah. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.
0: That happens all the time. My, my day-to-day is not glamorous at all, and people only see the small, small fraction that appears to be. <laughs> yes if you are spending a ton of time on the non-glamorous stuff and you don't enjoy it, that's when you know, okay, it's time to figure out how I can do this differently. And that's when the shift to licensing made sense for me because then I could focus on design, focus on concepting, focus on making the stuff I want to make, but have a partner who is then manufacturing it, producing it, shipping it, selling it and handling customer service. And uh, for those of you who don't know that much about licensing, you you end up making money through royalties and a percentage of sales, which may technically be a smaller amount compared to if you were making all the profits, um, making it yourself, but you're also not putting in as much money. You're not having to spend the money and then having to sit there and yes. wait for it.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like that's a mistake so many women make early when they start their own business, myself included, that you see the money coming in and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing so well. I'm making all this money, but you're not taking into account how much time, hours, effort, like I same story as you you, like my poor husband, God bless him, like stuffing gift bags with me Mm -hmm. and trying to do it out of our living room and all these things because all you focus on is the income and not the actual cost of doing business when the reality is I probably lost money on every event I did when I started out um, because I just had no idea what I was doing. Um, so it's a, it's a really good item. I think for those of you listening who have started your own business to pay attention to not just what is coming in, but if you actually had to pay yourself, like you would pay an employee, what is the job cost associated with what you're doing?
0: Exactly. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, you have to look at net, you know, it's always like net and gross, net and gross, gross is
1: all the money that comes in, but net is what you take, what you and your business take home at the end of the day. And that's number. I'm curious, um, I'm, I'm listening to you talk about things like licen- licensing and manufacturing. Were those things that you knew how to do and felt confident in? Or were you just like, I want to do this and I'm going to figure out what this means? I mean, everything in my life has been figuring it out. I, mm-hmm. think, um, I think that that's
0: how you get to the... That's how you accomplish your goals because what I find is that a lot of people want to do something, but they're like, wait, but I didn't go to school for it, or I don't actually know how to do that, or is there a book I can read about it? And like, yes, of course, there are books you can read. There are courses you can take, and these days, e-courses. So learn everything you need to learn, but at the end of the day, you have to just decide you're going to do it, and because once you commit to it, you will figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um Like with the stationary line, when we actually did manufacture it, I mean, I knew I had to get somebody to print the stuff, and I knew that I had to have certain logistics and stuff, but it's not like you can't just Google online who prints <laughs> foil cards. You know, it's not as easy as that, which is why I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by it, but you do a ton of research, you call around, you look in, um, different resources and you see who other people use, wherever you can find that out. Or you, you know, you do research, you look at the back of other products that are printed and you see what you can find out. And so, um, I, I definitely learned every, everything along the way. Cause I learned basic things in school and I learned how to use Photoshop and I learned how to design and um you know like the ba- the basics of mm-hmm. what I think I went to school for but you don't learn about business and manufacturing and all that uh that's all real world stuff that you have to figure out as you go and even when I switched from being a traditional graphic designer to being a textile and product designer I didn't know how technically how to design products in in the sense of like I knew I could and I knew that I had the the capabilities to draw a pattern, but I didn't know how to do repeats. I didn't know how to set up
1: products to be manufactured, but you know, I learned, I learned on the job. I'm curious if, um, as you were building up to the first, like official pitch that you made for target, was that months of preparation? Were you so scared? Did you feel really confident going in? That feels like a big, like years of work to get to one meeting. Was that what it was like? Um,
0: I would love to say yes, but it's actually so different. Um, so the interesting thing and I, that also leads up to my answer for you about target is that a lot of people think that these opportunities fall on my lap and that because, um, Oh joy has grown to where it is today that I just get handed deals left and right. And I'm just like fighting them off. Um, but you know, what is true back then from day one, even getting my first job, which is still true today, is that I go after a lot of it and I pitch a lot of it. Yes, there are some there are sometimes people that call us and say, hey, we wouldn't do this with you. Are you interested? But the majority of them, especially the bigger ones, are ones that I've gone after because in my brain, I say I want to have a line with Target and then I figure out how to make that happen. Um, so with target, I mean, I had had a relationship with them through social media and we had been doing some sponsored content together, but then I basically got an opportunity to pitch with, um, a VP for a very short window of time. The person who had connected me was like, okay, you have tomorrow morning from 9 <laughs> AM. She's going to be at this hotel in LA. Put together a deck and go.
1: So oh, did, that's incredible. Oh, my gosh. What a good story.
0: Yeah, I didn't have months and months of preparation. I mean, granted, in the back of my head, I always knew. But I had to put together a deck super fast, and I had a very small window. And I was late to the meeting because oh, of was no. LA traffic. <laughs> and I got there, and I basically pitched myself in like five or ten minutes with a, with a deck. And, you know, that was the very first one, the party one. And then after the first one did well, and I knew that we could do more, I, again, you can't just sit there and wait for them to say, Hey, do you want to do more with us? No, you have to go and say, this did well. I think that we could do more great things together. And so I pitched more stuff and that's when we got our renewal for what came out, started last year, 2016, um, with home decor and baby items. And of course, when you pitch to people, you need to show them that you, it's you can be the most talented designer ever. There are so many designers that are have better skills than I do and can, and can produce all kinds of stuff. And so that's the bare basics. Like you need to know that you can do the work. You need to know that you can produce it, but you also need to prove to them that you can sell it and that you can market it. And these days that's why social media is so important because mm-hmm. if you have that on your side, it's, it's even, it's going to help you even more when you are trying to do partnerships like this. And I think that's those two things together are to me what you need to be able to feel confident about pitching brands is, um, you know, that, that great combination of those
1: two things. Are you surprised by the success of the target lines or do you just go like, well, yeah, obviously I knew that was going to be a thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't say obviously in the sense of like I'm overly confident because I'm never, you know, I'm always very nervous when new things launch and I'm always like, Oh, I hope people like it. Mm -hmm. Same time. I feel good about what we're putting out there. And I feel good that we have a a specific voice and aesthetic and that people like it. Um, but you know, there are surprises along the way, you know, with every collection, we have a couple items that sell out super fast and are, that do really well. And then we have some that are normal and we have some that like people don't respond that well to. And Mm so Prizes for me come within that mix of like what sells out really fast or what is not, or people aren't liking as much. And it's, it's, but it's also good information because even though if it's different than what I expected or I had planned for, for me again, like just like you said, there's there's nothing lost. There's nothing lost if we have an item that doesn't do well. Well, then I can think about well, why didn't it do well? Mm-hmm. Is something about the aesthetic? Is it the color? Is that people don't want this particular material? And then
1: it helps me. It helps to inform me for future. Collection. How big is the team that you're working with to create all of this?
0: Um, so, Ojoys five of us. There's me, who um, I serve as the CEO and the creative director and administrator HR and HR <laughs> of building <those laughs> different banking course. And then um, I have um, Courtney, who is my assistant but also handles a lot of our social media. I have Angie, who is my designer, and she and I together work on all of the designed products, all the licensed products. And then we have Julia, who's our creative producer and stylist who helps create all of the content for the blog. She also styles them. And then she um, has an assistant, Jess, who is our crafting assistant, who makes all of the pieces, um, all the crafts, and um, and the two of them work together on our editorial content.
1: And do you anticipate that the team will grow larger, or do you think that you're able to produce what you are currently producing and you feel good about the size? I'm just always curious about other women, moms who own companies who have a staff, because I do. And it's a rare thing to get to talk to someone else about the, like, energy that requires the stress and the like, holy crap, all of these people are dependent on me to pay their bills. Totally. I feel very comfortable
0: with the size that we are right now. Um, I don't, granted, you know, three years ago, or sorry, four years ago, I had no employees minus some freelancers. So I would have never necessarily thought that I would have four employees now. But having had this particular team for a little bit now and everybody having, um, being so strong in their areas and like we really feel like stronger than ever right now. Mm -hmm. Granted, everyone assumes when you grow, you grow bigger with more people and everything. But I really enjoy the size because I also feel like I am setting my hours to hours that are comfortable for me so that I can be there for my family and I can have a normal day and I can still see my kids. And even though I have to work after, you know, after they go to bed more, it still allows me to to custom create a schedule that is realistic. Um, And so if we were to grow bigger and bigger, it would make it probably harder for me to be able to do that. Yes. And I'm sure you see that, too. I mean, Let's just say, you know, sometimes people are like, "Don't you want to grow to like a Martha Stewart size?" (laughs) You know, would that be amazing? Sure, I would. I maybe then I would I would be rich and have millions of dollars. But um, I don't know. I don't really want that. I I want I I'm I love my career. I love my business. I love what we're doing. But I also want to be home by four thirty every day. I don't know that I would be allowed to do that if my company was the size that it needed to be to have more employees. And so you never know, I'm, I'm never gonna say never because you just don't know what's gonna happen in the next year or five years or 10 years, but I feel very happy with the size that we are at right now.
1: Hey guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview, but now a quick word from a sponsor. Want to listen to an audiobook that'll make you feel better about your crappy job? Party Girl takes listeners on an adventure among Hollywood's most beautiful and most outrageous people, revealing the ugly side of Hollywood's prettiest parties. The entire Girl series is now available on Audible, and it's read and written by me. (laughs) Discover the world of Audible originals today at audible.com. I remember when we spoke on that panel together, one of the things I loved that you talked about was, um, I hate to ask the, I, I have not asked anybody that I've spoken to on the podcast about having guilt as a working mom because I tend to hate that I feel like those are the only questions that they ask women in business is about work-life balance and it makes me gag because we are more than that. But I do remember you said something that I really loved where, and I'm probably going to misquote you here, but you were talking about struggling a little bit with that and then getting to go to Target for the first time and showing your daughter the end cap and what that meant to you for her to see all of your work come to fruition. Do you remember that story? Or am I making up lies about your life that I just imagined? (laughs) I'm like, I imagine this scenario for you, Joy. I'm very impressed that you remember that, Rachel, number one. Oh, I thought Um, it was so precious. I thought, like, what an incredible gift for your daughter to get to watch her mom do these things.
0: Yeah, and I think that um, it all kind of came together around 2014 when our first Target collection came out because I had just had – Um, I think actually I was pregnant with my second and, and Ruby, my oldest was around three. So that's the age where they kind of start to a little bit understand stuff. And she had gotten to see me at a photo shoot. She'd gotten to see like stuff, but it really wasn't until the products came out in stores. And I think especially with our, our collaborations that came out last year, 2016, by that point she was four years old and to see, my face on a package she understood that mommy's company was called ojoy and that i was in that i was the boss of o Joy. and so to see it and we go every time we have a new collection come out which happens like four to six times a year we go to the store on that day we take a picture we celebrate it like Part of that is me wanting them to know that it's a great accomplishment to have achieved this. And mm-hmm. part of I want them and my husband to get to see it in the stores because they're not seeing the samples and the process and the sketches and the design work and all of that stuff. But it was really, it really took me up until around that point when I felt like my kids could tangibly understand what I do or at least one part of what I do to feel less guilt about being a working mother because I hate that I agree. I hate that we feel guilty and I think that there will always be some level of guilt that I will feel because I think that I should always be doing more even though I tell everyone you should not feel guilty I will and I'm telling myself I should not feel guilty there's always something in the back of my head Um, but when I see that my kids are inspired by it when I see that they see that you can create your own job from scratch and that your dreams can come true and that granted life is not perfect but you can be what you want to be type of a thing and they can see it realized, to me, that makes the time that I'm away from them working worth it. Um, I also feel very lucky to be in a community where the majority of my friends here in Los Angeles are other women who are entrepreneurs who have their own businesses. A lot of them are mothers as well. Mm -hmm. But you see my friends who have other companies that are multi million dollar companies and that they're making stuff and it's sold in stores and all of this stuff or they're photographers or illustrators or whatever it is and granted, the kids don't know the logistics of these businesses, but they just see all these women running businesses around. Me. They don't, and and the weird thing is, they don't even know any of my friends who have normal jobs who go to us. <laughs> unfortunately, it's just because a lot of my friends who I see most, they are other entrepreneurs because that's what I feed off of. That's what inspires me. That's who I need to vent to, and that's who I need to like be able to know that someone else understands what this crazy life is like. Um, But it's great because, you know, Ruby, who's old enough, she's five now, who can talk about maybe what she wants to do someday. And, you know, they're still figuring it out. She says she wants to be a designer and she wants to, like, design stuff at Target and call it (laughs) O Oh,
1: my gosh. We would all buy that for sure. (laughs) I definitely want the Ruby line for sure.
0: I obviously want her to follow her own path, but she's just, she's, she's very captivated by what I do these days, which is very cute. And she just loves just seeing, I mean, my office is like crazy colorful with stuff everywhere and it's a kid's dream. So of course she would love that. But I think it's setting an example really at the end of the day, it's setting an example that seeing your mom love what she does and being, and something that she, she
1: made on her own. So, so inspiring. Is there a book? Do you have a are you a reader? Is there a book that you feel like if you had to suggest one that really helped shaped either who you are as a woman or has helped you in your career, uh, what would it be?
0: Oh, I feel like I don't have the best answer for this one. Um, I don't really I mean, I have read business books in the past. I've read blips of things, I've read the the Tony Shea book, from Zappos, I've read the book that um howard shells from starbucks um, wrote a million years ago um and then there's also kind of like creative inspiration books like orbiting the giant hairball um (laughs) i have never heard of that and i'm going to write it down now i don't have i can't say that i have one specific one um partially because these days i wish i read more books from front to back cover to cover but i tend to kind of read excerpts. And I tend to read a lot of business articles online, actually, like I read a lot of stuff from Fast Company and mm-hmm. Ink Magazine and Forbes. So it's a lot more of that necessarily than books. Um, and a lot of times it's excerpts from these great books that are out there. But for me, really, it's just what I try to do is I try to just read interesting articles that have to do with um, employment, keep, you know, keeping your employees happy, um, things about, Um, having a good environment like that stuff is what I'm especially interested in, just because that is a constant thing, like making sure that um, I'm a boss that is respected and that I treat people well and that I'm fair, but that people also enjoy their jobs. And I feel pretty good about that thing. But at the same time, it's always evolving because Mm -hmm. you never want to just assume that you're doing a good job as a boss. Like you have to also continue to work at being a boss, just the way that your employees have to continue to work
1: at being good employees. Do you go to business conferences or creative conferences or anything like that during the year to sort of keep you inspired and refreshed? Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. traveltexas.com slash get your own. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts.
0: I do try to. Um, it it's obviously a time thing a lot of the times, but sometimes I'll go to speak at something then I'll be to hang around to be able to hear some more. I would love to be able to go to more on the entrepreneurship end or on the like management or mm-hmm. business end because I think that's the hardest thing is a lot of times I love offering advice and that's one of my favorite things about part of my job is what I get to do. Uh but
1: sometimes I need the advice too. So yeah. I- I would, I would love to be able to do more of that and seek more of that. Sure, me too. I think it's um, I you're the first person I've asked that to, and I thought, oh, dang it, I should have asked everyone we spoke with because, it's it, there are parts of your business I think as an owner that you know how to crush. Like, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't know how to create something and take a picture of it that then people liked online. But when it comes to a balance sheet or a PL, or those are areas that I feel not as strong in. So I'm constantly looking for, um, I can't, you know, go back to school, but I can go to a conference for a weekend and kind of learn and get refreshed. So I'm curious as I'm listening to this story and it, it sounds like uh, there's so much confidence in what you set out to do. Do you think that that's something that happened because of the way you were raised? Like, where did you have this? I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to dream a big dream. And then I'm going to backtrack from there and figure out how to get to this place.
0: I don't know that I can pinpoint exactly, but I know that um, as a kid, I was very shy and I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to I hated when the phone rang and I had to answer it. I had a lot, I had a really hard time just like socializing. So it's funny because people probably would be surprised to hear that now because I am on social media and I'm talking to a camera and things like that. But I was a very shy for most of my life. Um, but when I was uh, 11 or 12, I started taking karate. This is uh, kind of a little history backstory, but I started taking karate And that really brought me out of my shell. I started taking karate. I became a second degree black belt by the time I was 19.
1: I forgot. I remember now. I feel like you said this at this panel, and I totally forgot that fact about you. That is amazing. And so,
0: and I was, I, by the time before I graduated from high school, before I went to college, I was teaching kids and also teaching adult classes. So I think that that whole time period of my life, which was like during my teens, the end of high school, once I was getting the confidence from the fact that I had gone from being a white belt to a black belt, and I'd gone from being the shy kid to being able to teach classes, um, that really helped, I think my confidence come out as a person. Now, granted, I think it's an, always a work in progress, even though I sound confident a lot of the times, or I feel confident in something, there's always things that I have to question myself about. And I have to give myself my own pep talk. But also my mom, I mean, my parents have been very encouraging. My, um, my mom was always like, do whatever makes you happy, period. She was yeah. always like, My dad is great, but he's much more traditional. And so he was like, be a doctor, be a lawyer, do all those things that Asian kids are supposed to go out and do. And... And, and so I think indirectly too, because now I can show my dad, like, listen, I wasn't a doctor or lawyer, but I'm, I'm successful. And he obviously understands that now that you don't have to be those traditional jobs, but, um, coming from immigrant parents, a lot of my friends who also come from immigrant parents, you have this pressure to be these traditional, uh, stereotypically successful jobs and you get, you get pushed away from art or design or, um, writing or things that are a little bit more liberal arts related that people don't think you can make money in, and so that has kind of indirectly been one of my missions to be able to make sure I show that through just the way that I live and the way that I show um, how much I love what I do, but that I have gone after it to other people because Mm -hmm. the worst thing is to hate your job. Yes. Especially when you reach your thirties, I find that a lot of people who don't like their jobs all of a sudden are really not okay with it. And they're just like, I'm 30. I am I want to start a family or I have started a family and now's my time to figure it out because otherwise it's going to be too late. And so granted, it's never too late, but I find that in their thirties, people start to change careers if they are unhappy. So really my indirect mission with what I do is to show people that with the confidence in yourself and the desire to want to do something. And of course you need to have some ability, possession of that talent or trait or whatever, because I'm not trying to say, I'm going to go be an astronaut right now and have no, (laughs) (laughs) but that you can do it. You just have to, you have to just really go for it and you have to work hard at it and you have to put in the steps that it requires to make that happen.
1: Amen. And
0: I don't know that Oprah secret thing that came out like many years ago, Yeah. I am not, I'm not like a uh, earthy, crunchy kind of person, but it's really, all it is, is just like positive thinking and it's just like, putting something, if you put something out there because you're verbalizing it, it just makes you internalize it and process it more.
1: Well, I think I think the great tip here too, because I'm so with you. I love a vision board. I have pictures of my future dreams taped up in my closet in washi tape. Like I'm, I'm in it. Um, but I also think if you're listening to Joy's story, you've also heard examples like you have hustled, you have worked for where you wanted to be. You definitely visualized it, but it wasn't someone else who stayed up late that night before the meeting with the target person and put together a yeah. deck for them. That was you and that was your yeah. hard work. So I feel like a lot of times people hear that idea about like, I'm going to put together a vision board or I'm going to, you know, put it out in the universe. That is so valuable because it's going to help you get there, but you are actually going to have to do things yes. to help you hit that goal. Uh, so I ask, I ask everyone that I talk to the same five questions because these are just really random things that I wonder about other women who work. Uh, yeah. So what time do you wake up in the morning?
0: I wake up at 6.45, um, that's when my kids wake up, and they're my alarm clock, <laughs> so we have a, mon- a, a monitor, so they're in the same room, and um, they have a clock in there that tells them when it's okay to wake us up, yeah. or to assess their wake, so it's like the bunny goes from like sleeping to awake, and so we have it set for 6.45, so even if they've woken up a little before that, at 6.45 during the week, and 7 on the weekends, then they can say, mommy, daddy, I'm awake, so that's what I hear through the monitor,
1: and... That's when I wake up. That might be the tip for this entire podcast. Like <laughs> that might be the thing that other women hear and they're like, where is this? Where is the bunny clock? How do I find the bunny clock? It's
0: on Amazon. Great. You just, it, Maybe Google bunny alarm clock and it should show up. But it's it has been key in not having your kids wake up, you know, because they, yes. they just got they just got to hang out for a little bit. And that way it's consistent. They're my kids are on a schedule. Yeah, and so us too. 645. <laughs>
1: That's yeah, it. we have a we were actually just talking about this in the office the other day. I am my kids are very scheduled and we have there are rules in our family, all sorts of rules. So someone was asking me about our morning routine and our morning routine is for our older boys that they get up and they're not allowed to leave their room until they're ready for school, their bed is made, their teeth are brushed, and then mm-hmm. they come. And everyone was like, How how do you make that happen? I was like, Well, you, you just say it's a rule and then you say that it's a rule every day for, you know, six months and then it's just habit. Do you drink coffee? And if so, what is your order? Um,
0: I drink both coffee and tea. So I am, um, I can't drink it in the morning because I, Will be too wired, but I typically do like tea in the morning, and then in the afternoon when I need like a pick me up, I'll do some sort of coffee beverage, like a probably like a soy vanilla latte type of a thing, nice. um, or if I'm lucky, a boba tea, which is just one of my favorite
1: things. I love. I mean, I love the idea that you're too wired if you have more caffeine in the morning. I wish I had that problem, Joy.
0: Well, you know what it is. I just I if I drink too much of it, and especially before there's enough food in my body, yeah. I will. Physically feel it. Like, I'll get shaky and stuff, which is never a good feeling. Yeah,
1: seriously. Uh, do you travel often for work? And if so, what is your number one, like, you have to have it when you travel?
0: I don't travel a ton for work. Um, so I don't know if
1: I'm the right person to answer this question. Um, no, that's totally fine. Just every, yeah. It's been hilarious what people's, like, some people have really great travel tips and some people are like, snacks? I'm like, yeah, whatever you need, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite workout? And if so, how often do you do it?
0: Well, I would like to say that I'm working out right now, but then I would be lying to you. <laughs> um, I, I, I used to honestly be like a crazy workout person amaze- five, six times a week. Um, and I lived and breathed it. But as it goes, when you have to shift priorities a little bit, my workout is probably one of those things that has not taken priority because of um, – I would rather spend time with my kids Yeah, totally. all the business stuff I have to get done. Um, and so right now my workout is chasing after my kids. Yeah. But when I have time and I have, you know, in the fall I was, I was working out more regularly um, recently. So When I can work out, I play tennis. Um, I also do uh, Muay Thai kickboxing. And so those are probably my two go-tos because those are the sports that I grew up with. I played tennis throughout my childhood and in high school competitively. And then karate I did competitively as well. Uh, So those – are like kind of like my roots and those are in my blood. So when I can do them as when I can do them and find someone to play with me or fight with me or whatever, not fight with me, but you know, I was going
1: to say joy is showing us all up. I'm like, I jog. You're like, I do Muay Thai kickboxing. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. I am a second degree black belt, whatever um, way to make us all feel like we need to get into fighting. Uh, <laughs> uh, my last question is, you know, the podcast is called Deus. Deus is a platform from which we see speak. And so I ask every woman, is there something that you are seeing in business today that you're seeing young women or women do or act a certain way that you just think like, girl, what what are you doing? Like if you could stand on a soapbox and speak to women, what is the one thing that you would say like, oh, you got to, you should be doing this. Or if you only did that, it would make such a difference.
0: You know, I don't know that I feel like I could strongly say one thing because you know why I, I don't feel like I could judge saying that somebody else is doing something wrong because if it's working for them, it's working for them. My only complaint these days that I see in general, we sort of touched upon a little bit earlier is just that I do feel that there is a certain mindset these days sometimes where people think that the work is easy or that things just come to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and really, for me, like you know things where people don't want to take internships or they don't <laughs> want to do the grunt work it's it's stuff like that it's like the early day stuff it's like when you have to do when you have to dig your ditches when you have to when you need to be an intern when you need to do stuff that maybe isn't so glamorous because that's how you learn that's the stuff that I feel like is missing so i don't know that's not necessarily speaking to business owners it's speaking to anyone in general, graduates, kids in college looking for experience. Back in our day, you did internships, a ton of them. You mm-hmm. granted, you hopefully learn from them, that's the point. But sometimes you get coffee and sometimes you have to run errands and you know, it's not glamorous, and I think that's the thing. Is I think that these days people expect that immediately as you walk into the door, into an opportunity that you get to do every single glamorous part of that job or that position at that company, and that is never the case. Yep. I am, own my own business, and it is not glamorous most of the time. Amen. So I guess my answer to this question is really more of understand that nothing happens overnight. Understand that it takes time, and understand that you got to you have to do the work for the the glamour, the quote unquote glamorous stuff to come. Um, and that nobody just shows up and all of a sudden everything is perfect. And you're getting paid a million dollars a year to do like take a couple pictures. Yep. Um, it's, it just doesn't work like that. So it's, it's that hard work that I feel like people are forgetting about just, and it's, it's not their fault. It's because of the way that things are these days. You see, you see these social media companies um, that get started in a high school or a college dorm, <laughs> yes. with billionaires And again, that's not overnight. They also worked really hard, but you just see it from far away and you think, whoa, let me just do an app and I could be a millionaire. Like, no, apps are a ton of work too. So, so I, yeah, that would be it. Just remember, remember that there's a lot of hard work that goes into it and it, and always goes into it,
1: but no, so, so good because I think especially, um, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but I do think that I see this a lot in young women who are just leaving school. Um, and I think part of that is just a misconception about, like you said, what it actually takes to get where you wanna go. So uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard was, you know, you go, this is when I had an internship, you walk in the door and you make it so that they don't know how they ever worked without you there and you will always have a job and you will always move up and you will always get opportunity because you proved yourself through your work, not, you know, because you thought that you deserved it. Absolutely. I love that. Um, Joy, thank you so stinking much for talking to me today. I'm just excited that I got to talk to you and ask you, you know, the 15 questions that I've wanted to know forever. I super appreciate your time. And I know that the women listening are going to get so much, um, so much meat out of the things that you've said today and I hope that it um, is really helpful and inspires them. So thanks girl. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And thanks for that rainbow dog shirt because Jeffrey Hollis has never looked better. Oh! <laughs> I was so excited when I saw that on the end cap. I was like, Oh yeah, we're buying this dog. some clothes." It <laughs> was yeah. like, what is this? I'm like, I'm supporting joy. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> all right, girl, have a great day. And I'm sure I will talk to you on social soon. Thank you again to Joy Cho. Be sure and check out All Things Joy at ojoy.com. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you will consider subscribing to the Deus podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends, and showing some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. To stay in touch with all things Deus, you can check out thechicsite.com or follow me on social media. I am Ms. Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.
0: Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' Cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Duncan's Cold cake-up Pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Duncan flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Duncan is
1: where you want to be.